When your children step out of the nest, fly away, just imagine that there's going to be bows and arrows flying at them. Okay. And that's life. Life happens. And when we teach them how to recenter themselves and take a deep breath and breathe so that they can achieve clarity, with clarity, they can make a more informed choice and decision. And some of those decisions could be a life altering choice, life changing choice. How confident you would feel, how secure you would feel as a parent that little Johnny is quite equipped. And if he fall, that fall will be well mitigated. And it's not what we think it is because he learned the art of meditation and he will find his way out of this problem. He will, he will learn it. Um, so that's something that's very, that makes me happy to teach meditation because I want parents to have that feeling. Every parent has that knee jerk reaction when their, their kids leave the house. Welcome to the Well Child Podcast, hosted by Dr. Sammy and Dr. Anna, two board-certified pediatricians and best friends known as the PediPals. This is a safe space where parents, caretakers, guardians, and those interested in pediatric health can find accurate parenting and medical information to raise healthy and happy children. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at the PediPals or visit our website at www.thepdpals.com. We are so grateful to have had a successful first season where we invited widely respected experts to discuss important topics. Here's to an even better season two just for you. Welcome to another episode of The Wild Child. Today, we are so excited for our guests. Venerable Chi Dao is a Buddhist Theravada monk. He is 34 years old and he's been a monk for six years. Before becoming a monk, he studied four years of psychology and human development at Eckerd College and was a legal and medical interpreting interpreter serving all areas of medicine and all areas of the law for more than 10 years. In 2015, Ven's personal death of his grandmother and friend catapulted him to pursue the path to peace. He's very open about his suffering and was on the path to suicide. He is now on a mission to inspire young people to achieve peace by exploring the teachings of the Buddha, which makes him perfect for this podcast. Venerable Chi Dao currently has over 1.1 million followers on social media. He also conducts one-on-one -on -one sessions with people in guiding them spiritually while engaging in many project, projects and training other monks in the art of Buddhist psychotherapy. He also teaches and offers free services, and we are so excited to have him here today to chat with us about helping us and our children find peace. Welcome. I'm excited for the podcast as uh, we bring our listeners uh, teach the Buddha things that we can benefit from uh, now ever pressing uh, a lot of social issues, a lot of pandemic going on still. And, um, you know, I think that our children and parents can really incorporate this into the family unit for the benefit of all that is involved. 
We are so excited to have you. Um, both Sammy and I kind of uh, connected on our own journey through meditation. Um, you know, we we went through the rigors of medical school training um, and then started our careers and kind of found it a little bit later um, in our careers. And that really was what inspired us to start this podcast, uh, partially because we wanted to talk about um, multiple levels of health and wellness when it comes to children, because um, a lot of physicians, a lot of healthcare providers are providing, you know, the daily, how do we treat this infection and how do we treat this? But a lot of people are not talking about uh, mental health and well-being and peace when it comes to our children, which is so needed in this society, especially now with everything that our children are surrounded by and everything they're exposed to in kind of this fast-paced world. And so um, it really inspired us to have these discussions uh, with people like yourself who can teach us the best ways uh, for parents who are so busy in their life uh, to incorporate this for their families um, as, as an added tool, you know, to help their children succeed in the future. And so we were just so excited to have you um, on here. But before we kind of ask you all of our millions of questions that we um, were ready to ask, uh, we wanted to give you an opportunity just to tell our, our listeners about you and kind of your journey and what brought you to do what you do today. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a lot to uh, my life. <laughs> um, I do a lot of self-disclosure um, in previous podcasts and a lot of my teachings can, that can be found on Facebook and YouTube um, in hope to inspire people and to understand fully the first noble truth in Buddhism that there is suffering in life. And, uh, you know, I didn't exempt uh, a lot of the suffering growing up. Um, being bullied, trying to fit in, immigrating to America at age seven, um, just trying to make sense of my world while developing and, and growing uh, as consistent and described in the human development theories <laughs> and adolescence uh, <laughs> books. Um, so it was quite uh, chaotic. And then, you know, my parents, they fought a lot. I don't know what was going on there, but there was a lot of domestic violence issues in the home. And I was exposed to that, watching that, um, hearing that. So I was the classic child that ran into the closet and closed the door and, you know, closed my ears and scared. Um, that level of fear uh, prompted later in life um, me wanting to be actually in law enforcement just because the feeling of helplessness. Um, and I didn't want to see other people get hurt in life. So I figured maybe I should go into law enforcement and to help stop human behavior. <laughs> but my, my journey as a young man didn't, didn't stop. You know, I, I acted out. I was one that acted out and not folded inwards as, uh, you guys have seen in your clinical settings is that some kids, they fold inwards and depressed, don't express their emotions uh, but I was one that is could be described as Tasmanian devil <laughs> bouncing around uh, class clown referrals to no end, having to see school psychologists. So I was a child that, you know, acted out and uh, could not sit still, always running away from the pain that is experienced at home, the perceived pain and just the uh, turmoil and despair and anxiety 
that goes on in actually a lot of homes that we see nowadays. Uh, now, as an international teacher, I hear a lot of stories. Um, and so I, I'm able to relate to some of our adolescents. And adolescent means less than 25, right? Um, that's according to uh, the, uh, the books, the academic books. Um, so fast forward, you know, I wanted to be in law enforcement. And so I applied for Florida Highway Patrol. And Captain George Carrada said, uh, you want to give people speeding tickets and you have three pages yourself. So he, he said, he wrote me a letter and said, well, okay, well, let's try back in two years and see where we're at. So that's when I uh, went to college um, to study human development. But clearly you see the manifestation of behavior, you know, went all the way to even traffic, um, you know, racing and <laughs> racing with other uh, of my cohorts and I just, just acting a fool, just acting a fool. You know, one of my students now did that, caused a, a three vehicle accident. Um, I, I didn't get into that much of a trouble, but, you know, one of my young students now only 19 caused a three vehicle accident. Um, and it's being actually sued for $30,000. And when I trace back the root cause in this tradition, we always look at the links of influence in a person's life. And when I trace back the root cause of the problem, again, a lot of issues in family home, in the family unit and family life that cause causes a child to act out. So, um, so uh, fasting forward in 2015, my grandmother passed away. She was the one that inspired me to uh, go into Buddhism. She inspired by and through her own action and peace. And it, there was something about grandma that I was like, wow, she's so nice to everyone. You know, everyone welcomed her. Very Zen, very peace. Um, never screamed. I, at the time, most of my life, I didn't get along with anyone in the house, right? Uh, couldn't get along with my mom, my dad. He was just a little too chill. So he, he didn't step up when things needed to, you know, when, when he needed to step up. So I disagreed on a lot of that. And I was very opinionated at that age. Of course, the rebellious, you know, I think I know it all type deal. And parents doesn't know, <laughs> parents doesn't know anything. Uh, so, so my best friend was, was grandma. And so I got to spend a good 10 years with her before she passed away in 2015 and due to a heart attack. Um, and I got to witness the heart attack in front of me. It happened right at Northside ER in front of the physician. The physician is um, as young as you, uh, Samir, Dr. Samir. And she actually froze up and I had to launch forward and rip, you know, everything. And I'm like, okay, okay, go do that thing. Come on. <laughs> so they said, okay, all right, all right, all right. Out of the room so they can work on her. Uh, her heart was able to elude all the physicians uh, from the cardiology to the stress test, the nuclear stress test. And even in the, even in the ER, it eluded all the physicians. Everything was fine up until that one split second. Uh, so I was very dev devastated uh, trying to make sense of what just happened. And I'm on my senior year in college and my grandmother departs very suddenly. And then a year later, my best friend, Jacob Hall, uh, passed away due to an accident. And I was on a suicide mission after the two deaths, not having the necessary skills to cope. 
And had I not lead, had I not veered towards this path to peace, uh, yeah, I it would have not been good. Um, so now here I am, uh, six years uh, in becoming a monk, and it's an amazing journey. And helping a lot of people at this time, uh, I would consider myself as an urgent care monk, right? And, and I went live on, on TikTok and I guess I, I blew up. I don't know how. I have been teaching the same way I have always been teaching. I just compressed the teachings of the Buddha, all 45 years of the teachings of the Buddha into 60 seconds. Um, and it made sense to young people, particularly young people, of course, all across all ages also. And I don't, I get less than a year later, this 1.1 million followers. I'm doing one-on-one -on -one sessions with people. Um, you know, everyone has a story. They want to be heard. And so, so my job is kind of like your guys' job, right? But just from, from a spiritual standpoint, I guess, spiritual physician or something. Uh, whereas, you know, like the, the Buddha was described as the world's first physician, philosopher, and psychologist. And he was very good at describing the problem and coming up with the solution to the problem, which is the, the noble, uh, the four noble truths and the noble eightfold path. So it's been amazing so far, and now I'm using all of my skills and academic studies and experience, um, you know, as a former legal and medical interpreter, serving all areas of law and medicine. So you can imagine the type of the cases that I have worked, you know, a case manager, and even taken on roles of a social worker uh, when times needed. My, my role as an interpreter is just to be an interpreter, but there are times where I come across families that or individuals that don't have families, actually. And it's, it's no kidding. You know, my degree was studying birth until death, human development, and all the stages involved. And some of these cases, I worked from birth until death, literally. Um, and so at, at times, I had to even do the paperwork for cremations and burial because they have no family. So I have to go above and beyond the scope and practice of an interpreter. So my collective experience in all of those fields, you know, very useful nowadays in relating to the human conditions and everyone's unique individual um, human suffering. So that's uh, kind of where we're at. I think, yeah. I love that. And I think my new favorite uh, expression is urgent care monk. <laughs> That's probably my favorite thing that well, you said. Enough. <laughs> That's super there's cool. another one. Uh, another one is uh, t uh, 911 TikTok monk. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so, so, so needed. And actually, I think one of the things I really want to just focus on that you said real quick before we move on with asking you a little bit more about this is um, that if people are listening to this and they are parents of young children, you said that commonality is basically trauma in the home and an unstable home environment. And you see that a lot. And we get asked a lot, especially nowadays in the pandemic, what parents can do to help their kids through the pandemic, they have so many worries. Are they going to develop normally? Are they going to have social skills? Are they going to this and that? And so the take-home message in science, and as well as exactly what you just said, is if the home environment is stable, everything's okay. 
So you really do need to try to create a happy and stable bubble-like home environment for your children and the rest will work itself out. So I love that, um, that you took the time to mention that. And um, just curious because, you know, the, I think one of the basic things about your teachings and the Buddhist teachings is that is meditation. And I think a lot of people have misconceptions about meditation. I know I did until I was a full grown adult. And I, as like most people, I actually, just like yourself, came to it out of desperation, actually. It's, it was a, I don't have anything else I can do, so this is what I'm going to do. And, and I, I, we really want people to actually learn it younger than that and before they need to learn the coping skills um, for the situation. You'd like to have it in your body of armor before you're actually going to need it. And most of us get to it after reactively instead of passively. So to you, um, and maybe for our audience, what does meditation mean to you? And what, how would you, how do you describe it to your audience? It's a lot of fun, actually. It's not what people think. Um, uh, so I got the fortunate opportunity to teach this to young kids up at a temple uh, in Orlando about two years ago. And I got to observe all ages. Oh, I think the youngest was uh, seven or eight. And um, seven or eight all the way to 19. And a lot of activities uh, could be used for meditation, for parents, washing the, di- the dishes is one of them. Any household chores is one of them. So how do you become a Buddha? And what is a Buddha? Simple. A Buddha is one which knows, right? He knows what he's doing in the present moment. He knows what he's thinking. He knows what he's doing. He knows what, how he's feeling. So if you're washing the dishes and you're just mindful of that fact, simply just enjoy washing the dishes, not thinking about the past or the future then in that moment, you are a Buddha. That is your enlightenment. You're in nirvana. Yeah. But we know that that moment is also fleeting, impermanence, as it is subject to change. And so, boom, then you're back to, oh, I got to pick up little Johnny. Oh, I got bills to pay in 10 minutes. Got to log in <laughs> and pay bills. So we use all of these, you know, we have walking meditation, um, parents who write, Look, when you write your check to pay bills, look, when you're writing your check, um, you're very mindful. The date, who it goes to, progress, energy, (laughs) whatever. Um, And then in those moments, boom, you see how peaceful it was. You know, there's there's walking meditation. There is mindfulness of the breath. We have a lot of techniques to treat a variety of, of, of issues. But it is a lot of fun when you look at it that way. Body scan is a lot of fun. Walking meditation, our job is to kiss the earth with our feet, right? Kissing the earth with your feet. Feeling the sensation, stop and smell the roses in life. It's hectic being a parent. It's not easy. I agree and affirm. Uh, Meditation, is it easy? It can be if you look at it that it's fun, it's engaging, and you're being a role model to your children you want to inspire, you want them to do whatever it is that you want them to do. You got a first lead. And if you like it and you're into it and you're passionate about it, children will look, they're like tape recorders. Children are like tape recorders. You know, they're watching you and they're like, huh, 
mommy sits in the lotus position. I should try that too. And then hopefully later I could get to teach some techniques in how to persuade and convince kids to do it with us and make it really fun. That's really, that's really helpful. I think, I think the hardest thing about the most difficult thing that we struggle with is teaching parents the practicality of it, that it doesn't have to be something that's so um, difficult and that you have to sit there for hours on end, uh, you know, focusing that children can do it in their everyday life. So I'm, I'm really glad that you um, kind of showed that it can be very practical and it can be used in every moment of your life, you know, and that we can teach children this early. And um, being in science, you know, a lot of scientists have now studied meditation and studied mindfulness and studied its effects, you know, in um, helping with sleep, helping reduce stress and anxiety, helping with focus. Um, And there's now evidence that we can actually use to, to show parents that, hey, there's so many of these benefits, you know, um, but we would love to hear from you as to in your personal experience through mentoring uh, many people, uh, you know, during your experiences as a monk and before, um, what have you noticed as the benefits of meditation and what uh, directly, you know, is something that parents can hold on to that? Yes, this will help with this. Uh, so before I answer that, um, it should be noted that I have been meditating since I was 14, uh, even though I didn't really know, you know the full scope and you know all the academic stuff behind it. I just trusted the process. Uh, again, going back to the speeding tickets that I received, the judge ordered a community service, and that I did at my local temple next to my high school. And when 7 o'clock came, they started chanting. And there was something about the chants and the frequency of the chant that got me hooked. And then from 7.30 to 8, the, they did the mindfulness of the breath, the butto technique from Thailand, which is in-breath but, out-breath to. And butto means Buddha, right? one which knows. So breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. I did that for 15 years, uh, religiously, uh, every day except Sundays. Um, and then, you know, after becoming a monk, I studied advanced intermediate and advanced level meditation, which is insight meditation, vipassana. The benefits from it, which anyone can Google right now, (laughs) benefits meditation, will clearly see that it lowers blood pressure for all of the adults, increased focus, concentration, um, Emotional, it, it helps with emotional stability, emotional wellness, helps with reducing anxiety. Someone asked the Buddha this. They said, sir, what did you gain from meditating? And then the Buddha replied, I didn't gain anything. What I did lose was depression, anxiety, lamentation, okay, a lot of suffering. And so... Meditation, you know, it, we we is to drop things, is to lose things, drop negative acquired emotion, accumulated acquired negative emotions, accumulated acquired negative bad habits, right? Unhealthy habits. So the, there's like 25 uh, list of benefits of meditation. 
I, there's so much that I actually have to go back to look at them. Um, lengthens attention span. We have a lot of issues with ADHD amongst kids. Um, may reduce age-related memory loss for some of our seasoned parents out there. May fight addictions. Improve sleep. Helps control pain. Um, and you can access this anywhere. You have the one thing that is built inside of you. Um Right there, your, your, your breath, you know, 2,564 years ago, the Buddha did not have Zoloft readily available to give to people. <laughs> or anxiety medication, right? Just imagine that if we were to imagine that 2,564 years ago, that people follow the Buddha, listen to the Buddha, and tried it with him, and it worked. Had it not worked, we wouldn't... The, Theravada tradition wouldn't survive this long. Um, and even the Buddha himself confidently said, okay, so I'm just going to teach you guys how to do this, but your job is not to believe me. Okay. Your job is to try it for yourself and see if you achieve any results. So the Buddha was very scientific, how confident he is to say, you know, and this, and I adopt the same mode of teaching. And I tell all of my students, uh, I said, look, even if I was a actively living arahant, or an actively living Buddha, don't believe me. Try it and see it for yourself. And we can instantly see that when we take three deep breaths, we instantly are peaceful in those moments. Now, if we make it into a habit, uh, then we will see the long-term effects of it as evidence, empirical evidence-based. So those are some of the few benefits of meditation. And uh, we also need to look at what is the consequences of not introducing this to our children because I get to see the consequences, right? Because I worked in the courtroom for so long um, in juvenile division is that they act out kind of like I did and it becomes a headache. It can be very costly from a judicial standpoint. Um, it could be very costly to further treatment. And now we see a lot of addiction in, in children in regards to vaping. And again, all of these behavior a direct result of acting out and not having this, the, the skills to cope as necessary. So if we teach him the principles now, I mean, listen, then you can retire parents. You can retire uh, gracefully uh, in Hawaii when your kids have all of the tools in their toolbox, when relationship happens, when they fail in class, when they're being denied of a job, um, when they're being rejected by their girlfriends or a breakup, all of these things that could be described as surviving a heart, a shark attack on land, your children, you know, when you, your children step out of the nest, fly away, just imagine that there's going to be bows and arrows flying at them. Okay. And that's life. Life happens. And when we teach them how to recenter themselves and take a deep breath and breathe so that they can achieve clarity. With clarity, they can make a more informed choice and decision. And some of those decisions could be a life-altering choice, life-changing choice. How confident you would feel, how secure you would feel as a parent that little Johnny is quite equipped. And if he fall, that fall will be well mitigated. And it's not what we think it is because he learned the art of meditation. And he will find his way out of this problem. He will... You will learn it. Um, so that's something that's very, that makes me happy to teach meditation 
because I want parents to have that feeling. Every parent has that knee-jerk reaction when their, their kids leave the house. Okay. So I hope that answers that. You're tuned in to the Wild Child Podcast brought to you by the PD Pals. The PD Pals is our passion project and not-for-profit company where we aim to educate and empower parents and guardians and offer you accessible health tips. Our mission is to also support future female doctors. We currently have interns on our team who are all at different parts of their medical school journey. If you'd like to support our mission and help with our podcasting costs, you can donate to our Venmo at the PD Pals or our Zelle, which is hello at thepdpals.com. We greatly appreciate our audience's support. You can also support our interns on Venmo at interns-pdpals. I have a, a follow-up question. Um, I'm just curious if you see it the same way I do. I need to, and I'm curious about your um, thoughts on this. But um, a lot of the times parents will come to us as pediatricians with problems, right? He's a picky eater or he is um, a bad sleeper, you know, and what we try really hard to teach them is that you are, as their parent, their biggest teacher. You even kind of alluded to that when you said, oh, my, my mom sits in the lotus position. I'll try that, you know, and it's um, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So many of these things don't come naturally, but I actually find that mindfulness comes to young children very naturally because they are always in the moment. I feel like actually looking backwards, which we would call nostalgia or looking forwards, which we would call maybe anxiety, right? Being nervous about what's to come are learned behaviors from people around us. Kids have no sense of urgency when they're young and toddlers and young school age kids, they're just doing what they need to do there. And then they don't care about what they did five minutes ago and they don't care what's going to happen in five minutes. They're just in the moment. And we impose our anxiety, like we got to get ready. We got to go. We're not, we're late. We're not on time. We're our next thing. And of course that's normal and that's life. But I'm just curious if, if you find that it's actually easier to, to instill these things in kids because they kind of naturally already have that ability. Yes. One of the hardest thing is parenting, having to model that behavior and <laughs> getting parents to do it and look at time management, right? There's a lot of books on time management. What does that tell us? That tells us is that we have that issue, that issue of time management and how emotion and time management is correlated, right? Um, and how our society conditioned us to always be on the go, 200, 300 miles an hour, like a train. So, um, yeah, it's that's why we have to look at the, the 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 details of time management for for parents. Yes, kids, they don't have any sense of urgency. They're curious. They just they're just watching. They're just seeing what's going on. Um. So when we sit with them and we look at closely what they like, uh, parents need to have good observation skills. This is part of uh, parental observations and parental supervision. Um, when we notice like the, their favorite color M&Ms or their favorite toy, like, or like Woody from, uh, what is that? Uh, uh, what is Toy that Story? One? Toy Story. Toy Story. Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. Woody, the sheriff, that guy. I like that guy. Or Star Wars or Baby Yoda. Um, so we, we said, hey, bring your favorite toy over and, you know, let's, 
or they want to go get their some M&Ms. <laughs> Hopefully parents don't buy too much M&Ms for them. But we can say, you know, or before we get those M&Ms, let's meditate real quick, right? Let's focus on your favorite color M&M. Blue, 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 blue. Tranquility meditation, uh, samatha meditation, or calming meditation. They're all interchangeable uh, descriptions here. It's a one-pointed concentration technique. Simply put, so you can use their favorite toy, object, favorite color, or favorite candy. All the things that kids like, you can use that. And when you say that, they will, ah, like, oh, okay, all right. Well, if mommy's doing it, I'm going to do it. And you only need a couple minutes or just 40 seconds or 60 seconds of it and gradually increase the frequency of meditation. And you will see now we're getting into a routine and routines are good for children. So we start with baby steps like that. Um, today, of course, we can't cover all of it, but, you know, I think when we look at it, then there's plenty of apps. There's plenty of YouTubes that instruct parents and parents can ask, you know, local meditation teachers around town or, you know, psychotherapists that, that teaches meditation. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Going back to what um, Sammy was saying, I think a lot of um, adults get inspiration from kids because if you truly watch a child, um, especially we see them, you know, from birth onwards. So we get the privilege of kind of watching their development and as they discover the world and as they see everything around them and them being kind of completely present in that moment, uh, kind of what you were describing. And I think as we grow and as we, um, you know, learn to judge and we learn to be anxious about what's to come and what happened in the past, I think that's, that's where we start to unlearn, you know, that behavior. So I totally agree um, with both of you that I think in this, in this sense, parents can alert, learn a lot from their children and they could potentially even be inspired to pause and take that moment um, just to be curious and just to be present in the moment because we tend to lose that, you know, um, the older we get. So uh, in my opinion, I loved, there was one video that I saw where you mentioned um, the state of mind. I think it was on your TikTok. And this really stuck with me where you mentioned that we get all of these moments um, of, of depression, of anxiety. We get these fleeting moments of emotions. And when I talk to a lot of my teenagers and even young children who are presenting with anxiety younger and younger, you know, a lot of children will present with anxiety with stomach aches, not wanting to go to school, having headaches. Um, so we see this anxiousness presenting so early. Um, and, and my heart breaks for them uh, as we try to give parents the tools to try to mitigate these things early on. And what I loved in your video was you mentioned that, you know, we all go through these emotions and it's something that both me and Sammy say, we all go through these emotions, but it's about having control, having your mind controlling it and not the other way around, not letting your mind racing control you at the end of the day. And that really resonated with me. And I think was a great way to explain to kids where, you know, you'll have these thoughts coming and going, but it's kind of like watching a car come and go. You know, that's the analogy that I use. These thoughts will come and go and you have to 
decide what will make you anxious or what may, will make you nervous. Um, and so I thought that was a great tool for kids, but I was wondering if you had any other tools for young kids, like how early should they start um, using some of these concepts in everyday life? Um, I think the suggestions are even toddler levels. Um, I wanted to uh, and, um, respond to that real quick is parents uh, communicate a little bit more too. That's the suggestion to communicate more too, is that we parents, I'm not a parent, <laughs> we isn't all. Um, when we go through our own emotions and, and frustrations, share that with your kids. They see it, but don't let them guess or be afraid of it, right? Be like, look, mommy's just, mommy's a little frustrated at dad right now. But, you know, it's it's normal. It's part of being human. It comes and it will go. When we share certain teachings of the Buddha, also known as the Dharma, in Pali, Dhamma, the Buddha Dhamma, when we study the Four Noble Truths and we communicate this, sometimes we do it in front of kids, either intentionally or unintentionally, directly or indirectly. If we verbalize it, it would really help them understand what's going on versus being afraid like, oh, mommy's really mad right now. I've seen that before. And I just want to go and, you know, go in my room and close the door. You know, um, sharing states of mind, uh, the process of states of mind with our children. They're watching, they're listening. They'll get it. Trust me, They'll, they will get it. The other thing is teaching them mindfulness is when we're crossing the street, bring that awareness now to them. Because in their mind, they're just like, oh, I want to go home and play video games. No, no, no. We grab their hand and we said, look, look, son, we're going to about to cross the street, okay? So we are going to be really mindful about the cars that's coming, the colors of the cars, how fast they're driving. Okay, let's pay attention as we walk the street. All these little mundane activities every day brings awareness. When we're drinking tea, we invite them to drink tea with us. It's, Look, do you feel that temperature of the, of the cup? Yeah. Do you, do you smell the jasmine in it? Mm. Let's bring our attention just to the smell of the jasmine or the honey. And in those moments, they're doing it with you. So you're conditioning them, right? Classical conditioning to, to now really be mindful with you in everything that you do. If you look at in a day, a lot of happens in a day. Parents should get a GoPro and just GoPro themselves um, running around the house doing stuff. See, in psychology, we are blind to we're blind to ourselves and we're blind to the things that we do. Simply put, um, you know, take a GoPro and really do it. Experiment, right? Put it on your dresser or desk or something and look at how you get up in the morning and do stuff running around the house, grabbing lunchbox, <laughs> putting your tie on and it's not even straight. You know, um, my dad taught me how to do the tie thing before going to court as one of the youngest. I became one of the youngest court interpreter, perhaps here in Florida perhaps in the nation. I don't know. I've never met a young interpreter at 18 before, but my dad's like, come here, son, under, over, under, over. So he taught me how to do the tie. Then he taught me it needs to be straight, so on and so on. That was some of the most mindfulness moments I've ever had in my life sets the whole stage. He never had to teach it again. <laughs> so the point here is we teach them little stuff like that. They'll get it. They will get it. And kids nowadays, are smarter than ever before, unprecedented level of intelligence I have ever seen, um, which is a good thing. Now, the smarter they are, 
the probability and chances of them becoming a fully enlightened being very high or as closest to enlightenment as much as possible from my standpoint. Enlightenment is not far to reach, all right? Not at all. And the smarter they are, they will figure it out. They will get the point. They will teach you mindfulness, nonetheless, you having to teach them. <laughs> so, but as young as they could, you will know as a parent, you will know your child's level of development and growth. And as soon as you recognize that they will understand you, they will get the point, sit with them, play with them, listen to music with them, breathe with them, talk to them, talk a lot, because they're now absorbing all of your vocabularies and making sense of their world. Help them understand their emotions, what anger is, what sadness sadness is, what worries like, what fears like. We're all fear-based. Everything that has been biologically programmed into us is to ensure our survival. Educating our kids that, oh, whew. And I thought this worry is so on and so on. Kids blow things out of proportion. From a cognitive behavioral standpoint, they blow things out of proportion. They catastrophize things when parents don't call back or certain people don't text them back. They're just like, oh, my goodness, it is the end of the world, right? So when we, you know, talk them through it, informing them, they're less afraid, right? We want to send them out in the world confident and secure in the knowledge that this is the true nature of reality of life. And in Buddhism, the, this, the summary of it, the Buddha just want you to see the true nature of reality of life. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. That's so many pearls. I'm going to have to listen to this over again because I was trying to absorb everything you were saying there. Um, <laughs> I'm curious, uh, for, for people who are maybe just getting started or just your advice, what are your favorite books? So... As an urgent care monk, <laughs> I will always suggest Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Dummies by uh, Rena Branch and Rob Wilson. It's like, I don't know, it could be described as a 10th grade to 12th grade level book. Very easy to read. This is the book that changed my life at age 22, 23. Love okay. it. It helps, you, it helps you see a lot of things play out. It is, uh, has been researched, I believe, more than 40 years. was first introduced by Aaron Beck. Right. Um, Dr. Aaron Beck. So I invite everyone to get this book. It's like $4 on thrift books or, um, or Amazon. They have the latest edition. So, um, that's always first. If there's pressing issues right now in your life, if you're suffering in some way, shape, or form to the level of clinical attention, or you can always improve the way how you think, feel, and behave. We think the way how we feel. We feel the way how we think. ABC model of, AB, of CBT. So that would be the first book. The second book would be The Heart Teaching. It ran no um, the, the Heart of the Buddhist Teaching by Venerable Thich Nhat Hanh. have met with Dr. Martin Luther King. Thich is still alive. Venerable Thich has spoken to, to Oprah. Um, so all of his books are amazing. Um, and then for those who are new to Buddhism, another book would be called What Buddhists Believe by Dr. K. Sri Tamananda. Tamananda. Okay. It gets you a little bit into Buddhism. <clears throat> ah, the heart of the Buddhist teaching. That's right. It's right here. So these are some of the 
key um, books to start off with, you can also visit buddhanet.net or access to insight.org as it is consistent with my tradition, Theravada, access to insight.org. Um, and many more to come. I mean, the Buddha has been teaching for 45 years, so there's 45 volumes, 45 Bibles. So there's a lot of books. <laughs> That's really, really helpful. I think um, we like to provide these resources for parents because sometimes you just need a place to start. Um, and I love that book about cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm going to definitely try that one because it's something that we have in our toolbox as pediatricians when we refer kids that are struggling um you know we refer them to cognitive behavioral therapy and um a lot of therapists are now incorporating meditation and some of these mindfulness techniques to really help kids and um it's amazing how much progress that we're seeing um because i feel like the younger that that they get started in these therapies the um the like you said they have way more tools in their in their um toolbox you know to start early and so that's kind of our goal is is start early um like you said it can be as simple as reading a bedtime story or sharing a tea or um doing something as a part of your normal routine that you do with your kids and just incorporating a few minutes uh of deep breathing or mindfulness and so I love that. I think these are great small little tools that parents can use. And so we really, really appreciate you sharing them. Um, before we, we could probably talk to you <laughs> forever, <laughs> but we know that you're a busy urgent care monk and uh, probably have lots of people to help. So we really, really appreciate all the time that you've given us, but um, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you and how they can learn more about um, some of the techniques you use and um, how they can benefit. Yes. So anyone can get with me one-on-one -on, -one, uh, on Facebook. So Chidao, T-R-I-D-A-O um, on Facebook, on Instagram, venerable, oh, Ven, V-E-N underscore T-R-I underscore D-A-O. You can find me on TikTok, venerable Chidao. Uh, I'm quite accessible. Um, if you, if you even just Google, you know, Chidao, T-R-I, Chidao Monk on Google, I will come up everywhere. Uh, I make myself accessible to you and for all. And I teach for free in Theravada tradition. We teach for free. All services are, are free. It's what the Buddha would want us to do. And so I get a lot of joy out of helping people achieve peace. And this is how we slowly change our world. It's from an individual context. And then they inspire people in their family. And then our group is inspired and change and there's the group context the community context and then the, the, the whole state right and then the whole nation right um the dalai lama said if every eight year old meditates in something we can change in generation we can we can change in one generation i, I i'm misquoting him on a sunday but if you were to look that up uh, that's a very deep, profound statement. So that's what we want to see. And I also like to see CBT being installed and mindfulness meditation being installed into our schools to reduce teen suicide and increase student resiliency. It's something that I, one of my projects that I'm working to knock on Congressman Tim Ryan's door. He spearheads a lot of mindfulness programs and I need to just knock on the white door on, on the, on, on, you know, knock on the white house door <laughs> and said, so this needs to happen. Now, um, we need to make it uniform 
practice, common practice. We've got all the evidence already. Now we just need to make it happen to see a shift and change post-COVID, post-pandemic. And, uh, but yes, anyone can get with me and um, I'm available here uh, at any time for all of you. Thank you. The, the quote was, uh, if every eight-year-old in the world is taught meditation, we will eliminate violence from the world in one generation. There you have it. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. There you have it. And now there's, there's, I mean, the, of course, yes, I can sit with both of you for a very long time because <laughs> I, I've done a lot of studies. <laughs> I've done a lot of studies. I mean, it's probably equivalent to like two doctorates and postdoctorate training too. And of course, you, there's, there's the violence aspect, there's the addiction aspect, the trauma aspect into the life of an adolescent. So, you know, I, I hope parents will reach out with all the available free re resources online with American Psychological Association and all of the pediatrics um, associations. Uh, we have a lot. And you can find all that WebMD, the Mayo Clinic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yes, uh, a lot of things need to be addressed. And it is a continuous conversation in our society because our children are our future, our investment. Absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for taking time out of your day to come and chat with us and uh, remind us of all these amazing lessons. Uh, we hope to connect with you again in the future. Yes. Thank, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I, I was super excited for this podcast. And now that our listeners know what to do and go forth and practice diligently uh, with enthusiasm, because it's a lot of fun and teaching peace and being peaceful is a wonderful thing. Agreed. Thank you so much. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any other agency, hospital, organization, employer, or company. Assumptions made in the analysis are not reflective of the position of any entity other than the participants. The participants are critically thinking human beings. Therefore, these views are always subject to change, revision, reconsideration, and recalculation at any time. This podcast collaboration makes no warranties or representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information, communication, exchange, and the participants will not be liable for any errors, omissions, or delays in this information, or any losses, injuries, or damages arising from its broadcast dissemination or use. All information is provided on an as-is basis. It is the communication recipient's responsibility to verify any fact.